This is Lachlan Rouston. This is Raf Friedman. And you're listening to the fittest podcast in Australia, The Mind Muscle Project. All right, Project, welcome back. We're going to be talking today about pros and cons of personal training. So, like working for yourself as a personal trainer, paying a gym rent. So, like renting the space. You are Lachlan Rouston's personal training, but I'm renting some space off Fitness First on my local PT gym. So, that setup, which is very common versus the employee setup which a lot of big box gyms are implementing it's the setup that we have at locker room uh, it's common uh, but i think it's still more common for most people in the personal training space to do their own thing be their own sole trader so we're going to talk about the pros and cons of both um, so let's get stuck right into it so we're going to start with the most common one, which is like being a sole trader personal trainer right you contract basically yourself out to um, a brand or uh, sorry, a gym space, I should say. Now, we'll get into the, the, the pros of this first. Um, but I, I will say, the before we just dive into that first pro, the the reason that most people get into doing, I th- at least I think, uh, I know I did, the reason that most people don't go for an employee straight away, I think it's because they, they just see the path to more money very quickly in some ways. They're like, I kind of get this. I know what to do. I can take care of my own clients. It's like simple maths for them. Pay the gym $300 a week, charge my clients this many hours, get this many clients, do this. And it's like, cool, perfect, done. And that's all that's required of me. Uh, that is a very simplified version of it. And it just really doesn't play out like that in reality. But I think that is the reason that drives most people into doing it that way. I'd say probably equal to that is also um, just the opportunity to be your own boss. Yeah. You, you ever seen like, you know, it's like, all the advertising for like driving Uber and that type of stuff. It's like, is that really an attractive job driving? To me, it's not doing Uber, right? Yeah. But the advertising is always the same. Be your own boss. Work your own hours. Because like people are sick of the boss they hate and they're like, man, this sounds pretty fucking good. Mm. Yeah, for sure. That autonomy is like mm. what's appealing. So uh, the first pro is uh, obviously what we just touched on. You do work your own hours. Um, it's in reality, you, you are mercy. <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> yeah. In reality, you do end up, it's more like you work, you don't really work your own hours, you work all the time. And then when you get really good and really popular, that's when you start to work your own hours. When you're like charging the most out of any personal trainer, when you have the best reputation, when everyone wants to work for you, that's when you're like, all right, cool. I'm taking like Monday and Wednesday mornings off or something. Yeah. Still with personal trainers, I haven't seen many that like, oh, I don't work mornings anymore. It's pretty rare. It's pretty rare. Like, when do you work? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty rare all the time. So... The illusion is there that you're working on hours, but in reality, 95% of trainers fall into the gap. But I think because most people know that, but the option or the the shining star is I can get there at some point, it's worth shooting for. And at least, you know, you you never have someone else walk in and say, you're working Friday. No. And you go, hey man, I really want to take it off. No, you're working. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Or some emergency comes up and you're like, cool, I can move Thursday, Friday. Yeah. You know? Um, that's happening less and less now with remote work and tech companies and yeah. stuff. So yeah. Anyway, um, and then the second pro is obviously you can charge your own rate, which mm. means like if you do a course over the weekend and you're like, you know what, fuck it, James Smith is right. I am worth double what I'm done. You can do that. You can mm. the next session you can charge double. So at any point you can really decide. Okay, this is my hourly rate now. I want to earn more money. So that that is a powerful motivator for a lot of people. Do most people do it? No. Obviously, everyone falls within the norm and the average and they don't want to be like, oh, I don't want to charge this much. I feel uncomfortable charging people this much. I don't think I'm worth that much. All the shit that comes up in your own head for not wanting to charge more, that limits 95% of personal trainers, which is why generally you can charge more, but most people exist within a $20 price range of each other. Yep. Yeah, I think exactly what you said at the start. That's literally... 
for a lot of people, it's the most attractive thing. Yeah. When you're starting, it's like, hey, you, you can charge a hundred dollars, which is, you know, probably compared to all your mates, if you're all getting new jobs out of school, it's one of the most high highest paying hourly rates there is. Yeah. You know, a hundred dollars an hour is like two hundred grand a year. Yeah. It doesn't play out that way, but it's a good it's a good starting point right it's yeah. nice to know you're making that in an hour so and you can right it, it is it is a career path that you can earn like good money very quickly it does have a ceiling um with not a lot of education yes which, which is pretty cool right? like five, five years of uni and you don't get a hundred dollars an hour that's for sure no so that's that some some, cool. some places you never do you know yeah oh, yeah hundred dollars an hour is a chiropractor hundred percent yeah um so then obviously then you can obviously make your own brand because you are your own boss um there's no real limit on the personal branding so it's like, pro number three yeah, yeah. number three so you could you could go to the moon right you can go like all the way to um liver king heights with your personal brand mm. right you can take this as far and as good as you want um and then yeah i guess because you're not working um like under anyone that's what allows you to have no ceiling in terms of your personal brand yeah yeah and i just think as well like the band the brand building process is why a lot of people get into personal training is because they see the other social media influencers out there and the brands that are existing and they think fuck that's so cool because that's what good marketing mm. does it makes you think wow that's awesome and people want a taste of that for themselves so they want to like create their own message and their own personal brand and so i think that pulls a lot of people in how many people actually do it and, and successfully pull it off very few yeah like less than probably five percent which kind of seems to be the way less than five percent it seems to be the, the the ongoing theme here is like you can do all these things how many people actually do them very few but that's like a lot of things right yeah of course yeah, yeah. but again because the option is there it's always enticing so it, it, it's what attracts people to the line of work um and number four here is we've got um which i think is obviously a little bit you know two sides of the same coin is you have you are somewhat less limited in your personal branding so you, you obviously can set up your personal branding and then when you do because you know you could say oh as an employee i can set up my personal branding yes that's both true but as when you work for yourself you are less limited in what you can say and not do for example if you know, our team members get on social media and they start saying some crazy stuff. Obviously, that has more of an impact on our brand than if a contractor goes and does that. Now, obviously, we don't hire people to do that. But yeah, if you're F45 and you're out there and you're talking about, you know, why powerlifting, you're employed by F45 and you're out there and you're the head coach, you're talking about why powerlifting is so important and why we need to be doing heavy bench press and like it's actually way better than like circuits and stuff. F45 is going to have a word with you. But if you're, you know, if you're a contractor, you can say whatever you want. Really, you know, you, you are a little bit less limited. You probably can't promote other gyms if you are a contractor to another gym, but maybe in some instances you can. So there are very few limitations on how you can go about your personal brand. Yeah. So that is the good part. But obviously, as we know, most PTs probably last two years before quitting yeah. on average in this industry. So there obviously are, are cons. Otherwise, everyone would stick with this forever. So most obvious one you realize probably about three months into being a personal trainer uh, is there's no holidays, right? There's yeah. no holidays you can take. You can take holidays, but what's so bad I think about being a trainer is that the holidays cost you a lot. So not only do you make no money typically because you're not providing sessions uh, and it's kind of built into the, the, the social norm that people aren't going to pay your session rate if you're not doing a session, but you also like really let down your, you let down your clients at the same time because they're not getting training. So then they're like kind of like, you know, they're disappointed. They haven't got their normal training. So it's like a hurt to the business. You can give your clients to another trainer. Um, but as we all know, it is very, very common. Not every one of those clients come back. Yeah, it does happen. <laughs> it happens almost every time, right? And it's just like how it goes. You give it to all your new trainer, like you're probably going to lose some of the clients. 
So in the end, it just becomes really difficult to take holidays. And I do think it takes away a little bit of the fun of taking holidays away as well. Yeah, I remember when I actually gave, uh, or when a, a trainer, when I first started, gave me one of their clients for when she was away. And like, she used to give them the most rubbish programs. And she was like, oh, you know, and I'm this young, enthusiastic, 18 year old trainer. And she ends up giving me um, the, the sheet of their program and i remember seeing it, it's like 25 minutes on the bike and then it's like five minutes on the treadmill and then stretch and i was like this is rubbish like we should be doing weights or whatever and i'm like Dude, i'm gonna take you to this sick session this awesome session i don't know squats and ring rows and push-ups and whatever and it was like basically the best session they'd had all year yeah and i was lit my intent for that was like no i just want to give this person a great workout that workout sucks yeah. i should just do this workout and she lost it at me because she came back and the guy's like either you give me better workouts that are like more enjoyable or I'm going with that trainer. And what in the reality was she fucking hated her job, right? She didn't want to be there. She didn't want to put effort into it. She wanted to keep the client just like showing up, have a chat, pay me money, leave, right? And then when I showed him, oh, well, you can actually get someone that cares about you and wants to have a good session, you know, really shone a mirror on how bad her sessions were. Um, And that that just happens at scale all the time. No, I'm telling you, it's a no-win situation. Yeah. Because if you give it to the other trainer and they do a bad job, it's like, man, I had a bad job. I've also done that. And I paid money and you gave me a bad bad experience. And then it's kind of like an awkward situation. And if they do a great job, it's like you've lost a client. (laughs) Well, I I also did the bad version of it as well. This guy left me his entire personal training business right in the peak of the CrossFit regional season. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this. No, and he left me like, I don't know, 10 clients or whatever. And this guy's just getting his personal training business off the ground. But then I got an invite to the event, to, oh, the, to no. the CrossFit Regionals. And I had all the clients booked over the weekend. And I just canceled all of them last minute and just went to the Regionals. I'm like, hey, I'm not training you this weekend. Like, I think I was just going to be back on Monday. So yeah. I sort him out then. And obviously he lost it. He's like, dude, I didn't pay you to like cancel on all my clients over the weekend. I paid you to be there to train them. And you just ditched them last minute safe to say i didn't get paid and um i think i end up having to pay him a little bit for like damages so damages <laughs> if I, is it yeah yeah it can go badly is my it, point it goes there's reckless guys out there like me doing that stuff so so second problem um which just ties exactly into your own hours and your own rate is that you are tied to hourly pay yeah. so it's pretty much hours in hours out you can change the rate um but that's just how it is so there is no element of like really you know doing an excellent job and getting your work done early like at other jobs and then going home early. Yeah. You just can't get 10 sessions done in five hours. No. Um, And so third con we've got here is um, you obviously rarely have time for growth of the business outside of sessions. So what you're trying to do here is you're obviously trying to build other services in that benefit client stuff like nutrition would be obviously a big one. Even online programming could be another one. Just it's really hard to find time for those sessions because if you're doing a 35, 40 hour week on the floor, you're so mentally drained from that that you just don't want to put any effort insight into other things that aren't directly earning you money. When you get stuck in that hourly rate, then when you transition we try to transition out of it into other services, it can be very difficult to be like, oh, it's just not worth my time. I'm just going to like yep. rest or train or do meal prep and then just train more clients or just charge more. So very rarely do we see people that actually expand offerings and services outside of just sessions. Yeah, it's just, you know, humans are wired to behave with their incentives. Yeah. And they basically, it sets up your incentives to just do sessions and relax outside of sessions and, and then just check your calendar to book your sessions. Yeah. Which is yeah. typically what, you, you know, most of the trainers end up doing. Uh, and then... The fourth one here, and this is extremely common as well because you are doing so many sessions, um, is it's just very difficult to have other offerings outside of just, hey, my main offering is like 45 minutes of personal training. Yeah. 
uh, well, main offerings and then also because like we we're saying they just don't earn more money than a session so it's like all right i'll offer nutrition coaching for this client and i'll add on 25 dollars a week to his thing and i'll do nutrition coaching for him and you realize nutrition coaching takes an hour and you just charge someone 25 dollars, and you get a hundred dollars in a session and so all of a sudden it's very easy for you to not go for those things so it's very hard to scale you just like have no ability to scale very well which is why like the best personal trainers in any gym are still just doing sessions they don't they don't have like a guy doing nutrition coaching yeah. for them and doing this and doing that it's very very difficult um to do those things there are trainers that do that but how well are they doing it it's limited and they typically just often do it to give themselves a break yeah from the personal training even though it's not maximizing their financial gain yeah yeah it is um it is very limited i think it's really good early on and then it's very limited long term mm. so it's like extremely good short term and then very limited long term now uh let's move on to the employee now so we've talked everything about pros and cons of personal trainer as like a sole sole trader contractor so as an employee there are a lot of pros um and then there are also a lot of cons so let's go through them so as an employee this is how we uh this is how we do it for locker room um first pro is obviously a constant reliable income yeah just you get written down this is what you're gonna get yeah and that's what you're gonna get which you can bank on there's way there's so much fluctuation in the the, in the pt you know, there can be like 50% fluctuation some week on yeah. cancellations and holds and um, people not showing up. Like it's just, it's chaos. And it's the, it goes to show because if you want to say you want to buy a property, it's like two weeks of employee slips and you got the loan you want to get. Yeah. Two weeks of what you make as a PT is like they, they don't care. Yeah. They won't loan you a toothbrush. So there's a, there's a big difference not Can't even clean your teeth. on what you, uh, you know, obviously it's what you can expect and what you can bank on. And then obviously when you want to, uh, go for loans to buy a property or get a car or something like that. It's going to make it much easier as well. Nice. And then uh, obviously one of the other pros is you have holidays, right? Is That's a huge difference. And I think if you've been on that PT grind for a minute, then you forget how good it is to get paid on a holiday. Even you know some in some respects, I forgot how good it was to get paid as a holiday. And you can just see when the coaches that come to us that have done the PT grind for so long and they get a holiday, they're like, fuck, nothing changed in my income and i got to relax and it's like also the wind quality down. of the holiday that's what i mean you know no one messages you you can genuinely just leave it and like you know you're not worried about so the trainers clients leaving clients. yeah yeah programming that didn't get done yeah. right away yeah it's a huge difference so that's but sick pay is the same so i think the um delusion of personal trainers running their own business is they're like okay i make 1500 a week i'm gonna do like 52 weeks of the year <laughs> like no first you got your holidays that's four weeks and then you got illness and sickness. Yeah. Like you just miss days, you miss mornings, you miss that stuff all the time. You'll probably end up working sick, which just sucks a lot more when you're mm. not an employee because you just have to. Uh, but when you're an employee, like the business is typically just set up so that you can't just call in sick the day before. Yeah. Yeah, and it's nice It's nice to have that that leave it a pull. Um, the other, so the fourth one we've got here as a pro for being an employee is professional development. Um, obviously, you, you can do that um, in, well, being your own personal trainer, but... How much of it do you really do? After a certain point, I see a lot of personal trainers take a backseat on professional development, but the standards of a company are a lot different to the standards of your own. You know, there's a lot more factors influencing why people need to become better professionally within a business. And if you're in the right business, if you're in a, if you're in a business like Locker Room, we, we do really push up the professional standards, the personal standards of all our staff. And so being a part of that is obviously a huge pro. And 
there's lots of people that have done it on their own and I can not a single person that has done it on their own has had higher standards than a company. Mm. It's just like the collective effort and standards of everyone is always going to be way, way harder and way, way higher and better for you if you can survive it than just what you decide is good enough on your own because you're just one person trying to carry the flag. Also, just things, yeah, there's also just the mindset of like you're getting paid to learn when you go to a mm. job. So it's like, hey, this is on my work hours, I'm learning. So it's just like, you're more likely to get it done because you're, you're actually getting paid to learn through it. And also there's someone else who's above you and likely knows better than you uh, what you should be learning. Rather than you coming up with what you're going to learn, it's someone else delivering you the learning. So that usually puts you in the better direction. Fifth one, obviously, is you get a team environment. So this is just individual. Some people, this is a massive pro. Some people don't really care. But for most people who like team sports and it's generally like being in a team environment, maybe more extra. Don't hate people. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which is most... Eh. I think a lot of people hate people, but I think most people don't hate people. Most people don't. No, yeah, yeah. Most people most don't. Most people don't. Substantial amount do. Most people don't. Uh, then you're in a team. So it's fun, right? A lot of people got your back. You got their back. You push each other. Um, it's not about being micromanaged. It's just about having a high level of accountability with a team. And, you know, most people always say, they're like, hey, what's the point of hitting a goal if you've got no one to high five? And yeah. there is an element of that with PT that, like, no one really knows and no one really cares about the goals you hit as a PT. With a team, people do care. The celebration is sweeter when you do it with other people. You know, if, if Roger Federer wins Wimbledon, like he goes to celebrate with his team, mm. with his coaches, with his hitting partners, with his nutritionists, with his strength coaches, like there's always a team involved, right? And I think when you go fully solo, it's a bit lonely, you yeah. know, like you celebrate the win, tick it off in your goals book, that's it, on to the next thing. Whereas you can, uh, with a team, you can talk about it together, you can talk about the stories, you can share it, you can have a meal together, like it's, yeah. it's more enjoyable. And um, now the, a six one, which is career progression, this really depends on who you work for. So it's obviously yeah. in smaller businesses, like really small businesses that employ less than four or five people, that there isn't a lot of career progression. But the people that do the majority of the hiring in terms of um, personal trainers usually have a lot of opportunity for career progression. Not everyone will make it all the way through, but if you work hard and you stay there long enough, then you typically can go from maybe the bottom rung personal trainer to the top ranked personal trainer to potentially looking after locations, to maybe working at headquarters and looking after a region. There is kind of, depending on where you work, there's no real limit on it. Yeah, I think that um, most businesses don't have this opportunity for their, especially most gyms. Most gyms don't have these opportunities because the brand's too small. But I think as bigger brands and more money enters the market, there will be more of these opportunities. There's a lot of big brands though. There is. There is definitely a lot of big brands. Um, we're still very limited in the number of brands. Mm. Yeah. There's probably only like five big brands in Australia. And I think it takes a lot to kind of work your way up through them. Um, but yeah, career progression, the opportunities are much bigger there, obviously. Um, so obviously now we're going to move on to the cons. Sort of a, just a, a reversal of a lot of the pros. But the first one is you just have more rigid hours, right? There's some flexibility. You can swap you know, stuff out with team members and move things around. But generally there is an expectation of you at certain times. But like we said before in the PT kind of ends up shaking out to be roughly the same anyway. Um, so it's a little bit more rigid. Uh, one of the other cons is sort of the reverse of holidays and sick pay is that when people do get sick and people do go on holidays, generally you're going to have to pick up the slack. You're going to have to cover people if they fall in your department. So it goes both ways, right? You get your time to be sick and be away and on holidays and relaxing. But when other people want to take their time, you do have to make up and cover for them. That's just part of the role. Um, number three here is, yeah, you have less control over the growth of your income, which is really tied into, you know, there's, there's stuff you have to work towards. There's numbers you want to hit, KPIs you want to hit to get a pay raise, but it's not always in your control. 
yeah it's just not something you can change on a week-to-week basis right yeah maybe COVID hits and times are tough no matter how good a job you've done you're not getting a pay rise in that scenario right so you can get pay rises but there's just more elements than just how many hours you're putting in to do that um and then of course depending on where i mean you you're in control about what brand you associate yourself with because you choose to work there but once you choose to work there then it's partly out of your control so fourth point you can be connected with a brand like f45 which may seem really good when they're growing and then when they get all the bad press now you know you're a bit embarrassed about where you work yeah or like you know your friends are like oh wow you're working there i can't believe it yeah um who knows what the head of the company is going to do right? right so that's just like totally out of control maybe they start promoting bad quality training you know yeah. who knows what's going to happen um it's just it's just out of your control it's no longer your brand it's someone else's brand but it is the brand that really you're associating yourself with yeah, there's always definitely a risk involved there and stuff you can never predict. Um, and then the last con here as being an employee is you don't have choice over the clients. Uh, there's, I guess with a gym like Lockroom becoming, you have, there's some expectation of the type of clients you work with. We're obviously a lot more niche and intimate, but with a lot of gyms, you don't really have a choice over the clients. The brand does, you know, pick out clients for you, but it's a lot broader, you know, in F45, you can get a lot of different types of clients. It's a lot less niche. That's just something, you know, if you don't want to work with certain populations, you don't get along with certain populations, you don't like certain clients, even just certain personalities. Like you don't really have a choice in that. The gym's signing people up regardless. Oh yeah, well, even just all the big box gym, Virgin, Fitness First, all the gyms, they're just going to sign up people. Whoever whoever buys that promo, they're your client. Yeah, yeah. So that is that is something that's out of your control. And I think that does wear on people a lot after a while is yeah. if they're in the wrong brand, in the wrong gym, they're constantly working with clients they don't want to work with. They have no cho- choice over it. They can't change it. Uh, it's a difficult thing to wake up and do every single day, especially in something like fitness. Mm. Cool. All right. So that, that's it, guys. That's the summary. Hopefully, there's a lot of stuff there that you have to think about and cover. Uh, hopefully, maybe it changed your mind on something. If it did, uh, leave us a, you know, share it with someone, tell someone about it. Um, as always, we really appreciate you guys. We really appreciate you, um, you know, obviously always listening to us and implementing the stuff we say. And then when we meet you in person or, you know, we get messages from you, we always read them. Um, we're always grateful for those opportunities. So, Again, thank you so much um, and we'll speak to you guys on the next episode.